0: welcome to the chasing tomorrow podcast episode 140 140 today we are going to get into all things sports nutrition athlete nutrition with our good friends with gnarly nutrition we have eli kerr and shannon o'grady here and we're going to talk a little bit about the brand what it takes to get into the nutrition space and how they've gotten to where they are today over the last 10 years Eli, Shannon, welcome to the Chasing Tomorrow podcast.
1: How's everything going today? Fantastic, so good to be with both you and Don, Don and, and Joe. Thanks for having us.
2: Yeah, thanks yeah. so much for having us, psyched like to like to chat it up.
3: Pleasure, yeah, and, and you know, as we jump into this, it's gonna be hard to figure out who should answer which questions here, but uh, we'll let you guys sort of fight that out a little bit as we go along.
2: Uh,
1: Shannon and I are good at drawing lines. Great. And right. I win all
2: the fights anyway, so um,
1: to, to, to cry mercy. So I, I think we'll figure it out probably pretty easily. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, probably so
3: because uh well fun fun name, of course. So we're gonna have to get a little bit into the gnarly name and how you came up with it, because names I think are one of the big privileges of starting something. Uh, but as you as you tell maybe a bit of the origin story, I think there's this always this inspiration. I think every space today is crowded, you know, and crowded by big spend, you know, just to make anyone sad on this, you know. I think the NFL spends 80 million dollars just to have the privilege of using Gatorade brand, which we all know is, you know, an interesting product. We'll leave it at that. (laughs) But but when we're fighting against that, you know, it's sort of a bit of a uphill battle in the beginning. So we have to have like a really good spirit about what we're trying to accomplish. So if you guys could. And by the way, we love products like Gnarly because we need better than what's out there today. But 10 years ago wasn't probably so straightforward. Tell us a little bit about how it started, why it started. And then we'll talk later on about what happened over the past 10 years.
1: Yeah. So um, this I'll, I'll of course, take take this one right Shannon are we are we already agreeing on that
2: <laughs> just because I told you to but
1: yeah I <laughs> <laughs> am questions I actually could could take it couldn't before we even got on this call you guys that was our that was our prep um perfect this what, what's actually interesting about this Joe is that like I could probably put you to sleep with, with this conversation you know like because i tend to go in such great depth but it really came down to a couple of things i mean i was one of the original co-founders i started with two other partners and and really the idea 10 years ago was like no one was creating natural sports nutrition products that actually tasted good those were like the two founding principles mm-hmm. um, natural and taste good and so we started the journey with with those two ideas in mind I added in the third part, which was like focused on the outdoor community. So at the time, no one was also taking like a full line of sports nutrition products, products that were like well-known in the fitness industry, but were not well-known or really used by most outdoor athletes. And and so that was like the guiding vision is like, well, we could take these products to the outdoor industry. And what's so cool and interesting about that actually which most people don't think about. I mean, I, I for me, it's kind of like, duh, but um, I think what's so interesting about that is that the fitness industry for so for so many years have used products like ours and marketed them to help you get. And, you know, a, a body that, that everybody wants. It's like very focused on aesthetics and what's really interesting and, you know, Shannon will talk about this through as, as we talk about products. And as we talk about education specifically tied to gnarly, is it like these products are really based on research and what they're actually focused on is performance and recovery. And, and that's where the research shows that they help you with performance and recovery. So it's like, it, we, we just removed the whole aesthetic marketing side of it. And we brought these products. To the outdoor athlete and we've been educating and bringing in research that shows that they help with performance and recovery and then we've done you know some cool things like I mean we can we can jump into all the cool things we've done with with product and product development and and branding and you know using this this name gnarly to tie it into a, a spe- specific community that makes people feel you know like they they know and understand a little bit more about who the brand is and and, and what we represent which is a big part of the name gnarly um but ultimately what what we've been trying to to build now um and and the guiding vision i would say is that before, well before um i started gnarly with with these couple of partners i worked 10 years in the mental mental health and the primary goal in in mental health for me was helping people live their absolute best lives that they could to their fullest fulfillment you know and and essentially the way that i boil down the purpose of gnarly now is it's it's that same mission that that you know i i had when i was in mental health and we want to help people live their absolute fullest lives and and that's what ultimately guides us and so everything that we've kind of done and built as far as gnarly goes is really focused on that purpose
0: i think that's a that's such a interesting career transition, but
1: it it's, and
0: it was a question I was going to ask and you answered it really well. And it's, and it has me thinking because I, I used to work in mental health and I transitioned to a career of helping people and uh, health coaching and giving back through the, the health and wellness space professionally too. And I, I, I love that transition that you made, but at the end of the day, you don't just wake up and decide I'm in mental health today. I want to start a nutrition company. And snap your fingers, and you have a nutrition company. So give us give us an idea of what those first few days were like building that brand. Um, I'm assuming you didn't have a ton of background in creating nutritional products. You just had this dream of, you know, healthy, all natural nutritional products for people helping them. So so give us that you know quick abridged
1: have a dream, built a dream story. Yeah, you know it's interesting, Don. It's like I think the transition is kind of interesting or odd, you know, but I think that that's also some of the special sauce and that's kind of some of the special sauce that each of us have in our lives is that we'll have all, all sorts of transitions in our lives. Right. And those transitions will maybe very abrupt even from one thing to the next, but oftentimes there's this common running theme that can, that we can connect all these, these, these still, um, the direction that we're moving, which, which to me is that, that purpose, that moving, that, that, that focus and, or vision of moving forward, which is that, that drive to, to help people become their very best. And so that, that hasn't changed, you know, and, and I would look at it like in other aspects of my personal life that like, those are huge motivators for me, whether it's like, my relationship with other people, it's my relationship with my kids, like, you know, like, uh, so that thing's still guiding, um, but it's interesting. Oftentimes when I think back on the history of Gnarly, so a couple of, a couple of key things come to my, my mind. First off, when we first launched our website, cause we've been primarily direct to consumers. So we are, we are working on a, a, a larger retail footprint now um, but we've been primarily focused on direct to consumers and and I, I remember selling our first like our first month of selling product is literally we probably sold like you know had maybe like five transactions. And oh my god, that felt so good. <laughs> five <laughs> transactions, you know like it, it, it's nothing. It's absolutely nothing, but it was it was like, you know, it was monumental for us because it was it was part of that that birth. Of, of a new sports nutrition line. Um, one of the next, the next key key things that I remember is, is when when Shannon actually contacted us. And you know, I would. I, she she tells the story so much better because it's it is kind of her story, although it weaves into and is an, a, a, a monumental and or very very important part of of gnarly story. But you know, Shannon came into the picture and. And uh, she she helped us go from like a uh, a company who was making sports nutrition that we really wanted to focus on, you know, quality and 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 natural products that tasted good, but like she legitimized us. She came in, built protocols, rebuilt products. Of course, have added new products, provided the research to support the products helped us have an emphasis on education completely steered us. I mean, I mean, same focus, but like just kind of, you know, I don't know, provide, provided a, a better north star for us mm-hmm. in, in regards to how we should be, be running a company from the product standpoint, you know? And so, so she's completely changed how we we've done, done our products. And, and um, I mean, there, there, are, there are times, you know, that um, that, that when when I, when I am asked about the early stages of, of Gnarly, like, I cannot ever imagine Gnarly, um, both when we started and, and where we are now, without Shannon and her involvement.
3: Wow. It's- Shannon, I think we're going to have to uh, start asking you <laughs> what happened there. I uh, have
2: to push the tears away. Thanks, Eli. Yeah, really. <laughs> no, I won't no, interrupt no you or talk over you the entire podcast. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: no,
1: hold for that?
3: First, Eli, great job because, you know, one of the problems founders have is ever sort of sharing what their journey is, you know, and I think it's one of the failings of good ideas is both skills as well as more complete perspective. Is necessary to make something that can continue to grow and evolve over time um you know the thing that i always am sort of fascinated by especially in the american culture is when we try and bring things that have benefits or are good for us we have a very small population of people who are interested in a large population who are not because they're influenced by other big spends you know and so uh, I think that maybe if Shannon, you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to join. You know, how do you think about you know getting enough people to you know use products that are good for them? Because you know more than anything, people just want more sugar or you know sweeter or any of that kind of stuff. So how do you fight that battle against uh, the machine, so to speak? But yeah, what was it that got you interested in what was going on at Gnarly and why would you join?
2: Sure. So my background um is kind of an academic one and I, w- I was at the University of Utah um, did my graduate degree there was doing some postdocs um, but knew that I wanted to stay in Utah or in a similar area where access to the mountains was uh, you know easy and and something I could do on a daily basis Um And also, you know, I I got into endurance sports uh, during graduate school, had always been a runner, got into kind of longer distance triathlon and ultra running. And I think all of us, you know, as as soon as you start increasing the time that you're out, realize how critical nutrition is. So Mm -hmm. I had already been interested in nutrition. I did my PhD in nutritional physiology um, and it was kind of just this perfect nexus of, of Pursuing sport, being a research geek, like I used to joke with a friend of mine that we used to swim masters at lunchtime, we used to joke that there was an inverse relationship between progress on our dissertations and our, um, you know, fitness level, like, we make a lot of progress, but be in bad shape, or be in great shape, and like, hadn't, hadn't really looked at that, that thesis for a minute. Um mm-hmm. And so it was kind of deciding what I wanted to do next and also having this new profound interest in specifically sports nutrition, performance, and recovery, and wishing I had found that earlier on, right? And my, my research had been more focused on that. Um, and so I decided to stay in Utah and, and enter the, the supplement industry, which is pretty big in the state. Um, And we are talking about winding roads and, you know, paths, right? Um, My like thread was that I wanted to do something with sports nutrition and a company, you know, that um, aligned with my values. And I took a lot of jobs along the way that weren't exactly that, but gave me critical uh, training to do Mm -hmm. what I do now. So I did a lot with product development and label regulation for a larger company, I helped, you know, I was hired to bring a manufacturer into FDA compliance and help them get NSF certification. So none of these were my like, this is what I want to do when I grow up. But when I did find that thing that I wanted to do when I grew up, still growing up, which is gnarly, all of that training along the way gave me, you know, the skill set that I needed Um, to do what I do today. With Gnarly specifically, like finding Gnarly, I had a friend, that Eli mutual friend that was a a pro skier. And I think this was in the early days of social media. I don't even remember. I don't even think I was on social media. I think my husband was like, Noah is sponsored by this nutrition company called Gnarly Nutrition. I was like, that's a stupid name. Like, (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, I looked them up, I looked, I was like, pull up that website, let's like check them out. And I was like, huh, it is it is an interesting name. But like, some of what they're doing is kind of aligns with what I believe in as far as the sourcing of ingredients, um, and, and what they were trying, the message they were trying to, to get through to the end customer. Um, so I, you know, like I had done with other companies I was inspired by, I wrote him a letter and, and sent Eli my resume and uh, was like, this is what I, I think I can do for you. Um, I didn't send it to Eli specifically, but it made it it made its way to his desk and he actually replied. And, uh, you know, so, so I started um, just gener- working as a contractor to start and then um, Gnarly got to a point where they were able to bring me on full-time, which was a, you know, big decision for me. And I,
1: um, inter- I actually got to the point where I'm like, we can't move forward without. <laughs> full, full time. Just like, yeah. it was more of like, we have to do this.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, along the way, along that path, what I realized, like to get back to the second half of your question about, you know, trying to convince people or, or educate them about what they may need. I think I approached it a little bit differently in that I saw this kind of, I saw supplement as a dirty word, right? So many people had this distrust and, and in some ways like totally understood where it's coming from because there are definitely some companies out there that are not um, on the right path, that are not transparent, are not forthcoming um, and and making claims that, you know, they shouldn't be making about what their products could potentially do. But I also saw a space where a company could, you know, take all of that head on and be transparent and be honest and get the testing that would show people that, you know, they could trust your products and talk about what the research shows as opposed to these like insane claims of what, you know, something in a, you know, that you scoop into a water bottle can actually do. And that's what I wanted gnarly to be, and I felt like if we could do that, then people would come to trust us and mm. see the benefit from integrating um, products like ours. It, you know, if there was a need into their um, into their training and and recovery nutrition.
0: So, I, Eli mentioned that when you when you joined the company until to today, you've you've evolved the product line considerably. You've highlighted areas of of need and added new products. Talk to us about when you joined, what the lineup looked like and what your process has been over these past few years to highlight and develop new products that you know could uh, benefit athletes.
2: Sure. I mean, my process early on was to look at the label claims and look at the formulations and make sure those things uh, matched up, you know, um, Part of it was removing proprietary blends from all gnarly products. Um, so for those that might know, not know, um, proprietary blends are pretty common in the supplement industry. You see them a lot in greens products and pre-workout products. Um, and essentially, they're, they're groups of ingredients. You know, I've seen some that are as short as like five and some that are as many as like 50, um, where you don't get uh, – individual dosages for each of those ingredients you just get a a mass dose for the blend and then the blend's usually given a fancy like alkaline super anti-inflammatory mushroom adaptogen blend or something like that where you're like i don't really know what that means but it sounds fancy so like and then right so it's got to be good and obviously they're not They're not showing the amount of each ingredient because, you know, there's something secret. They've done all this testing and they don't want their competitors to know. And that's complete BS, right? Um, There are two reasons why supplement companies use proprietary blends. One, it's a way to hide the amounts of those ingredients. So potentially put a lot of ingredients that are less expensive and put less of ingredients that are more expensive Without letting the consumer know, and you can still say, "Oh, I have that expensive ingredient in my product," but you're you're not being um, forthcoming about the amount and whether or not the amount is actually an effective dose according to the science. Um, secondarily, by putting ingredients in blends, you don't have to test for those ingredients. So, per the FDA, you have you have to show, even though many companies don't do this, you have to. Be able to show that your product does indeed include the amounts that are on the label, but when it's a proprietary blend, you haven't to- told the customer how much is actually included, so you don't have to test for it. So it's super shady, and I and I don't think gnarly knew early on. I don't think those were the reasons. I you know they relied on somebody else to help with the formulations, but there were proprietary blends in the products. I got rid of those. I got rid of um, dosages that were either too much or too little. Um, And then it was looking at our line and looking at the science and seeing, you know, where there are holes in our lines and what research really supported would be helpful. And, um, you know, adding things in. Uh, There were other, you know, something like our greens product, the one of the founders really wanted a greens product. And so I made my version of a greens product, which was no proprietary blends, effective doses of ingredients that actually had implications for, for athletes in terms of performance and recovery. Um, You know, and that, I think that's in a nutshell, like how I evaluated the line and then how I added to the line.
1: Shannon, there's there's also been a a, a, a kind of an approach to, to supplement products. So products that are going to supplement towards uh, a, a whole food diet and where athletes specifically do lack. Right. And then also like what, what is like, we take a pretty basic approach to a lot of our products. So it's more science focused, less of the hype. There's not, you know, we, we, we don't, just go after ingredients because they're the hype right So like there's there's been we've been very deliberate about kind of that process as well and, and as we uh, add each additional product to the line.
2: Yeah, I mean gnarly early on too was using the the tagline clean sports nutrition which you know clean is kind of a weighted word in nutrition but I was like if we're gonna call if we're gonna call our products that, well, we better show people that they are, you know, and, and that's where the NSF testing came in, which has been like definitely something that we've been working on for the last couple of years. But now we can say, you know, all of our powdered products are NSF certified and then our top sellers in our major categories are NSF for sports certified. And I hope at some point we we can afford to get NSF for sports certification on all of our products um, we're not quite there yet, but I think it's such an important step in terms of proving to the customer base that they can trust your brand and the products that the brand makes.
3: Maybe, Shannon, a quick just primer for people listening who don't know the difference between a food and a supplement. Why why the FDA characterize it differently? Because they have different perspectives on... They both, they could all come from a plant or from a natural product but are considered differently?
2: Sure. I mean, I think a large part of that goes hand in hand with the fact that most supplements make claims, right? But there's no requirement for the testing of those claims like you see in drug regulation. Um, Foods, even though people think supplements are not as tightly regulated, the food regulations are actually looser than the supplement regulations. Mm -hmm. Um, The big kind of, I think, caveat to that is FDA doesn't have the bandwidth to track down every small supplement company that starts making a product and putting it in a container and selling it. And so it's more of a bandwidth problem and less of a regulation problem. Um, I do think Utah is in an interesting place because supplements, I think, have been part of the Utah culture for a long, long, long time. Orrin Hatch, who is the author of Deshaies, which is the major piece of legislation that regulates um, supplements, is from Utah. So um, it's very ingrained in, in the state, manufacturing, the industry, and also the use.
0: That's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. I never really thought about Utah being a, a a supplement state. So that's, that's a very interesting perspective, uh, to think about a little bit more. Um, so on the, on the topic of NSF, I think that's, that's a really, it's becoming more important in, in a lot of sports right now is finding clean supplements. There's so many things on the market that we can go to GNC or, Max Nutrition or Amazon and buy and have almost zero confidence in what the heck we're getting. So, tell us what exactly goes into the NSF process and why that's a, an important element of uh, of your products. And, and I mean, it's it's clearly labeled on the front of your packaging, which is really nice. It's it takes the guesswork for me as an athlete out of the process. So, yeah, talk a little bit about that process.
2: Yeah, sure. So, so NSF certifies manufacturers. They also certify actual brands and products. Like you see the the mark on the on the gnarly product behind you. Um, NSF. You could pick up your pot in your kitchen, and you might see a circle with NSF in it. So they're not exclusive to the supplement um, industry, but they they do have a major uh, footprint in the industry. Um, they. Uh, regulate or they they do audits of manufacturers to make sure manufacturers are in FDA compliance. And then on the brand level, they have um, two main certifications. One is NSF um, content certified and the other is NSF for sport. So um, everything starts with a toxicology and safety review of your formulation. So basically making sure like you don't have a million units of you know, vitamin D, let's say in your product that, uh, is not, that research doesn't support, um, is either effective or healthy, um, could run into safety concerns, uh, for, for the individual taking the product. Um, so that's basically just a paper review. They also review all of the ingredients in your products, look at the C of A's, look at um, the, the safety profile of those ingredients, and make sure there's some kind of research record showing that it's safe for human intake. Um, once that's done, you send in samples of your product. So for NSF content certification, um, they test for label claims. So what we talked about earlier, making sure what you say in the product is actually in the product. They do a full microbe screen, they do a heavy metal analysis, and then they do a pesticide analysis. Um, so making sure the products are contaminant free. Um, they also evaluate the labels to make sure they're accurately um, showing what both test results and the formulation say should be in the product. To get NSF for sport certification, which is that second certification, you have to pass the content certification. So anything that's NSF for Sport certified has passed all those tests, and then every single lot of that product that's manufactured in a year is tested for all. I want to say it's close to 300 substances on the World Anti-Doping Agency banned substances list. So this is particularly important for pro athletes that are tested regularly, um, but it's also important for you know regular athletes like us that don't want that crap in their products. Um, so, I mean, I think both are critical. Um, mm-hmm. I, I Because some of our products are not NSF or sports certified, um, you know, I wouldn't say that that means those contaminants are in there. They're manufactured at the same place. They use the same ingredients. We're just not at a point where we can afford to test um, those, those skews. Um, and that's why we've selected kind of our, the SKUs that we do the most volume on um, for that NSF for sports certification.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of history in <clears throat> where NSF came from in the early part of the last century around, you know basically food safety and taking care of consumers who were buying products who didn't know what they were buying. It's evolved significantly. Um, but I think it was initially the National Sanitation foundation before. Now it's just NSF not to mean anything other than those three letters, but broadly used to your point, Shannon, to give us an indication, just like UL labs with electricity, there's these standards that are set for commonly used, you know, whether it's technology or nutrition for humans so that we know that we're not getting ourselves in trouble. Yeah, no, thanks for doing that. I think that it's a shame that it, it does cost a lot of money so small companies struggle to you know you might really actually be certified across everything but you can't do it without the process of paying that in large companies can can make that easier and uh but we appreciate that anyone who wants to go down that path uh, and not this isn't really only for you know athletes who are professionals right this is just generally we should like well what's the difference between natural and organic right i mean there are these terms that get used it should have deeper meaning so that as a consumer, you understand what you're getting and what you're putting inside yourself. Uh, so, you know, um, as you think about right, this 10-year journey, Eli, and a lot has changed and probably some is still the same, you know, what, like, what are some of the, you know, the lessons that you've learned along this way in both building? So you're interesting, right? You built a company, but then you, a nutrition product that could help people you know live a better life which we love um how has it changed or is it you know different the same over these past 10 years
1: well one thing that is the same is it hasn't gotten any easier (laughs) (laughs) exactly so um i mean some some of the the fun part is that we are you know we do have a larger footprint, right? We've, we've done some pretty phenomenal things. It's actually, it's, it's fun when Shannon and I get, get kind of chatting about, you know, what, what we've accomplished and what we've done. Cause in a lot of ways, you know, we're still very much a small, small brand seen as a boutique brand. Um, but we've done some incredible things along the way. And we've also been a, a total thought leader in the industry, even being a small, small brand. And like, that's, I think that for, you know, if I were to speak for both Shannon and I, I think that there's a lot of sense of pride in that, in that regard. Like that means a lot to us. Um, product, you know, Shannon's talked a lot about product. That's one of, you know, she loves and is inspired by product and and using product to support people. I love and, and while I love the product, don't get me wrong. Like I am, I, I love, and I'm inspired by, by, by a brand and the power that a brand has to inspire people. Um, and, and that's been amazing to watch both of those aspects grow in our community. You know, it can be something small, like, you know, a story I, I remember work, working out at a, at a gym and, chatting with someone next to me and I'm like, well, what do you do? I'm like, oh God, I work with a small brand called Northern Nutrition. And they're like, looked over me, like whip, whiplash, like what small brand, you know, they're, 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 uh, um, <clears throat> they, they thought of us as like a very large influential brand, you know, and it's, and I, and I love stories like that because it's showing that we're making an, an impact on people. Right. And, and that's like, for me, Shannon does a fantastic job of helping cultivate any messages from our customers that I don't get to see. She makes sure that I see them because she knows that I love, and it means the most to me when a customer says how much, you know, the product, the brand means to them and how much it's helping them. Um, I mean, those are the kinds of things that when I get that kind of feedback, I know that like the vision and direction of gnarly is, is on course and it's right. And I would say that, you know, one, one of the things that I continually learn and I'm actually continually reminded is that that purpose and focus on helping people become their best always has to stay at the forefront. And that can be a challenge. Sometimes it can be a challenge when Shannon and I start talking about the cost of NSF certification and how much that adds to, to each unit of our product. Like we have no right paying for this right now, Shannon, like we're, we're, you know, like this is so expensive for us. And, and it can very easily cloud your, your, your decisions to want to remove that cost when you, when you're looking at it solely from a financial aspect. But we go back to what's our values and what's our purpose. It's to to give people absolute trust in our in our brand, so that they can be inspired by it. And so, yeah, we make we make a different choice that that aligns with the values and not always like makes sense financially.
0: So, from from an athlete's perspective, um, thank you for that. That that is in a nutshell the reason that. I actually found gnarly when I did is I was looking for a NSF natural product that I could use as liquid nutrition. So without you guys going through that process, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Most likely I I'm sure there are many other athletes out there that look at all of the options and want that one thing that kind of says here, here are the, here are your selections now that are safe for you. So, um, I will speak on behalf of all athletes or at least all athletes that care about what they put in their body. Thank you for that. Because it it is hard and and it is, it is a challenge, but I'd rather pay more money for a really high quality product that I know is going to be clean. And you know, if, if, and when I'm ever tested at the end of the race, I don't have to give you a call and be like, you like, what the hell, man? Like your product totally popped my blood test. Like I I have all the confidence in the world and I can worry about what I want to worry about. So, um, Thanks. With that, yeah, 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 and you, you, you already kind of brought up a lot of this, and I, and I want to maybe reframe it and just hear your thoughts on, on the legacy that that your company is building in the industry and and kind of separating yourself from the crowd. And if you know, I, I, I think about this and I talk about this a lot, is you know, if I die tomorrow, what's my legacy? And so, so if if you guys were no longer on the planet tomorrow, what what would you want? The sign sealed, delivered legacy of gnarly nutrition to be, and how like, how do you want to be remembered in this industry in the long term?
1: Oh, that, that feels so big, Don. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's
0: it's kind of a deep, big, gnarly question.
1: <laughs> it really is. Um, well, as I tr- as I try to like gather my thoughts as quickly as possible. Um, one of the first things that comes to to my mind is that I think, I think one of our differentiators, one of Gnarly's differentiators, one of the things that's meant a lot to me is that we have been focused on education and that's a huge marketing, you know, pillar for us. But the reason why is because we use education as one of our values as well. So it's, we believe that if we can educate people and give them knowledge, that they'll make the decision that is best for them, that helps them, you know, use nutrition in a way that is gonna, you know, help them perform better or recover better. Like do more of the shit they love to do essentially. And, and that's what it starts with is education. and. And I want to believe that from the outdoor industry kind of, you know, the area where we have been focused on the community of folks that play outside, that we have in some way raised the level and awareness of nutrition amongst outdoor athletes. Um, I think that, you know, one of the questions you guys had sent to us prior to here to kind of prep Mm -hmm. for us was, was a question around habits and it's interesting, you know, like, and the question was, was somewhere around the idea of like, how do we approach habits and help people, you know, use our products more habitually or like every day kind of like, and, 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 and use them more often. It's interesting. I don't think Shannon and I have ever really talked or used the word habit necessarily. Like, I mean, do we want people to use our products regularly? Absolutely. But I don't think that we've ever taken an approach that, that is about just creating ha- a habitual pattern for people just to consume our products, right? Which, which from a marketing standpoint and a sales standpoint is absolutely the way you should actually be thinking, right? You want to create habits for people. But I don't think that that's ever been our approach. Our approach has always been, let's educate them more. Let's give them more education. If we give them more education, they'll trust us. If we give them more education, they'll be empowered. With nutrition, you can't go and tell them that our product is the absolute best for them because it's just not true. But you can educate them. You can give them knowledge and power, and then they'll go out and find the product that absolutely works the best for them. And in that way, it raises the bar. It raises the bar for everybody. So, I, 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 I mean, long story. Short now.
3: I think that's a good answer. I think that and maybe Sean, you comment on this. I don't think the habit question is one of um, trying to manipulate someone. I think that what we're doing is, as we try and educate, right? So the the food industry has not spent a lot of time on trying to have us understand how nutrition could improve performance. It doesn't really, whether that's working better or running better or anything like that. You know, it's about maybe taste, convenience. But not about the effect that this nutrition really would have on us, and so we do have to replace something or add to it somehow if we're going to have people use. You know, the only time you use it is if I go do a race. That's good, but maybe there are more use cases for it. And so I think it's actually just this reality that we want to live with. If you're going to achieve the objective of, you know, helping people live better to, you know, their higher purpose, then you would want them to have this more regularly than not. And so it's just always sort of, for me, it's like, well, the adoption is not even about trying to sell more, right? It's actually just about putting stuff more in people's hands. I don't know, Shannon, if you think about that, when you're developing products, you know, what is it that will get people wanting to use it more frequently so that they get more benefit.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think I start I, I get I one of my favorite parts of my job is either giving you know webinars on particular topics in nutrition or science, or working one on one with customers that ask questions or athletes that have questions around nutrition, um, and I can never make broad, you know, with there are some exceptions, but it's hard to make broad statements about how something may help someone, unless I know enough about their own nutrition and training path. Um, Eli and I always say, you know, supplements are supplemental. If you can meet all of your nutritional goals with whole food, more power to you. But where products like ours come in handy is that often life gets in the way despite our best intentions. Um, Maybe we don't have the time. Maybe, um, you know, we don't have the desire. Maybe, like palatability is an issue. You know, each of those things could differ from person to person. And so, 100 percent yes, like education is part of it, um, helping people understand that nu- nutrition may not be the thing that like push- pushes you to run as fast as fast as Don, but it it's part of the equation that's going to help you get the most out of your training, and it's part of the equation that's going to help you recover to do it again tomorrow. Um, and so I, we educate and I never educate about gnarly products specifically. I educate about the ingredients and the science behind those ingredients that we've incorporated in our products. Um, and then talk through where they could help someone that might be missing, you know, certain nutritional, uh, elements in their diet or where they could provide potentially an extra edge. Um, if used consistently. So 100%, like Mm -hmm. I love this idea of habits because I I think of it more in training, right? Motivation comes and goes, but if you establish a habit and you stick to that habit and you're true to that habit, you're gonna stay on your path regardless of those ups and downs in motivation. And there is an element of that that applies to nutrition just in terms of making sure your body gets everything you need. But I think where supplements come in is it really, you know, it really de- it depends on your lifestyle where they fit in and and how much benefit you can get.
0: So you go ahead, Eli. You had
1: one one of the things that we have tried to do to um, to help people use, you know, our products or to get the benefit of products, the products that we make is to try to make them delicious, right? Like. I mean, Mm -hmm. mean, we, we, if you buy the product with the intent to use it and get the benefit of it, if it just sits in your pantry because you don't like using it because it tastes like shit, then like, you're not going to get the benefit of it. So it's like, can we try to make a delicious product that you look forward to using that, you know, and that. It's tough because at the same time, you know, it's like flavor is, is so dependent on your palate and people. So it's like, can we say that we actually absolutely make the best tasting product? I mean, we we say so. Yeah. <laughs> right? <it's> like, <clears throat> some people don't think so. But I, but I think that like for the most part, you know, you look at our proteins or, or our fuel product and hydrate product. And people absolutely do love the flavor. And the flavor is a differentiator differentiator, primarily because it allows you to use the product, which then you get the benefit of using the product. I
3: always used to say that you can't get to the benefits if you can't get through the taste. So. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Course, <laughs> yeah, 100%. Right. So yeah,
0: absolutely. And it's and it's one of the few, at least a feel-to-well product, it's one of the few that tastes good without being like overpowering. So it's just like a nice, subtle flavors um, that I really appreciate. But Shannon, you left the door wide open for this question when you say you like educating about ingredients and not necessarily products. So Mm. one of the ingredients that that I have a ton of curiosity about in the endurance space, mostly selfishly, is HMB, which is in the Fuel 2.0. And to my knowledge, it's one of the only, if not the only major fueling hydration products on the market that has that in it. So I'd be curious to know, one, Educate us, please, about what that product is, what it does, and what was the decision behind putting it in in the Fuel 2O?
2: Yeah, great question, Don. So um, for a long time, BCAAs or branched chain amino acids has has been one of the first products in the gnarly line, I believe. Um, Eli, can I think our proteins were first and BCAAs may have been second. Um, And that product is somewhat controversial in the nutrition space, Um, a lot of people will say like, you don't need it, you just need, you know, protein that's rich in BCAAs and make sure you're getting enough protein, which I actually completely agree with. The problem is, is that most people (laughs) don't get as much protein as uh, they should be getting. And that could be dependent on like, what kind of athlete they are, but also how old they are, our protein needs actually go up as we get older. Um, And it can be tough, I think, to stay on top of those needs. Um, Once again, lifestyle, you know, desire get in the way. But that's where BCAAs can be helpful. And Gnarly has always talked about BCAAs kind of before training, uh, sandwiching your training between BCAAs and protein, because having branched chain amino acids in your system helps minimize muscle protein breakdown getting protein after where you get the whole suite of essential amino acids, provides your body the building blocks you need to repair and adapt um, to and from your training. Um, and so that's always been our, in our mind. We have athletes that use branched chain amino acids, endurance athletes during runs because they feel the difference. We have athletes that do ultras that sometimes even consume our protein during their runs because they want the protein and they want the essential amino acids which BCAAs are a part of. So that is kind of circulating in the background, right? HMB is a a metabolite of one of the branched chain amino acids, leucine, which leucine is probably the most famous of the BCAAs, tons of research showing that it kind of turns on the light switch for muscle protein synthesis. You of course need all the essential amino acids to actually repair, but it's kind of like the on switch or or dimmer for for that um, pathway. There's also research showing that having leucine and the other BCAs in your body as you're training can minimize muscle protein breakdown, and that can help with recovery or how fast you turn around. So HMB, there's there's kind of a, a ceiling to the benefit we can get from from leucine, where taking larger and larger doses doesn't mean like most things that you're going to com- you know keep reaping the benefit um, exponentially. What's interesting about HMB is it's kind of past the bottleneck that puts that ceiling on the benefit we can see uh, from leucine. Um, It's in that same pathway in terms of turning on muscle protein synthesis, helping with, with recovery, but it's actually a more potent inhibitor of muscle protein breakdown than leucine even is, which means you need less to have the same or greater effect. So you know, in the background of my thinking while we're we're formulating an endurance nutrition product is this idea that, right, we're always, despite our best intentions, when we're running long distances or biking long distances, we are always in a caloric deficit. We can never fully match the amount of calories or energy that our body is burning. Um, You know, fat metabolism comes in play, like just in terms of our baseline energy use, and then there's a limit to the amount of carbohydrates we can take in, you know, to replace the glycogen that we spend. So we can try to minimize that deficit as the hours go on, but we're, so, we're we, that deficit is just building on itself. So you can almost think about it as being in this kind of long-term um, caloric depletion, state of caloric depletion. What does your body do when it doesn't have the calories it needs to, to run? it starts breaking down tissue. And what are one of those tissues that affect our athletic performance that it's going to break down? Muscle, right? And so putting something in an endurance nutrition product that could possibly minimize that muscle protein breakdown is only going to lead to us like reaping the benefits during that event, especially if it's a long one, but also... On subsequent training days, if we have tight schedules with training, if we have tight schedules where we have back-to-back hard races, right? We want our bodies to recover quickly. So is this idea between one, like what the research shows BCAAs can be helpful with, how our athletes were using them and also our protein products during long races, and then introducing an ingredient that actually makes that more efficient because you need less of it. And, and needing less means like it's not going to, you know, amino acids are pretty bitter. It's not going to affect the flavor too much. We can include it at a dosage that is effective. Um, there are a lot of companies that put BCAAs in their product, but they happen to be one, you know, one of those things where you don't get the dosages. So BCAAs have been in goo gels for a long time. Does anybody know how much? is actually in a gel? Do we know whether or not it's at an effective dosage? No idea, right? So it's getting back to putting something in the product that makes sense, but making sure we include it at a dosage where it's gonna make a difference.
3: So before we run out of time, just Shannon, give us a quick summary of the product areas that you guys have, you know, protein and anything else. So how would you characterize your product areas?
2: Yeah, so um, about two years ago, we introduced kind of a, um, a gnarly system to divide our products into different categories um, to help people, you know, inform them about how they should be used. So um, we have pre-workout products, which, you know, is everything from, you know, your classic pre-workout that's going to give you energy to often people are like, why is a collagen a pre-workout product? Well, because the science shows to really benefit from collagen, you should be taking it before uh, you exercise um, so that those peptides and amino acids are circulating to the joints you need them to, you know, to go to while you're training. Um, so we have products that should be taken before. Um, we have our in-workout products, which are products like Fuel2O and Hydrate that you should be taking while you're training to um, help with performance, to help um, replenish uh, nutrients that you're losing while you're exercising. We have our post-workout products, which are gonna have an impact on recovery. So that's where our proteins come in line. Um, and then we have our everyday products, which are things that are really meant to, to be taken consistently in order to reap the benefits. So things um, like our creatine, things like our greens. Um, and then a subset is our what we call our baseline series. And the idea behind this is, right, all of, our, all of the other categories have a direct impact on what you just did or what you're about to do. Our baseline kind of pr- helps support our the baseline health that's important for so many athletes. So things like vitamin D research is pretty clear that um, a large portion of our population is deficient in vitamin D because of our lifestyles. Um, but vitamin D plays a really important role in helping us minimize like the... Uh, the severity of sickness shorten the time that we are sick, right? And all of those things mean that we can, you know, be in the mountains running around, you know, uh, more, you know, training the way we want to. Things like um, iron, which you see low in a lot of endurance athletes, particularly in females of menstruating age, and vegans and vegetarians on top of that. So in a nutrient that a lot of athletes May not pay attention to but has a huge impact not only on health but also performance so we're trying to cover those baseline mm-hmm. needs so that you can do everything you want in terms of of training and performance
3: wow that's great and uh everyone can find you guys at gnarly.com
2: um, it's actually gonarly.com
3: well, gonarly.com all right yep. so for any of our listeners that's a great place to be um eli we'll we'll leave you with the last question you know when we uh created the podcast it was always this idea i always like chasing tomorrow because it's sort of the excitement of what's next you know that's the feeling so for you and and for gnarly uh what's your chasing tomorrow
1: yeah uh, <clears throat> it's interesting to try to think about this question it feels similar to to like don's don's big. <laughs> But a couple of things come to mind. One, one of the things that, that has been uh, a huge uh, vision and influence for Gnarly is, is how do we make a greater um, environmental impact as a sports nutrition company? Mm -hmm. And of course, this has been a topic for most brands in some regard, especially in the outdoor industry for a lot of years. And a lot of brands are fantastic at talking about ideas and continually talking about ideas. And that's about as far as they get, and they're great at marketing those ideas. Few brands are actually doing things. Um, Shannon, of course, has led us in, in, in a pretty responsible approach to packaging that nobody in our industry is doing. Um, it's, again, it's one of the places where we are a thought leader and, you know, a year and a half ago, year and a half ago, two years ago, we, we started making the move to, uh, recyclable, uh, packaging. And then we don't have perfect packaging by any means, but we've got pretty responsible packaging for what we do. Um, you know, all of our tub products moved from plastic to, uh, still, still, uh, containers which is very different um, but we think that they're you know they're both aesthetic but they're also really functional for the product they keep it really uh, what's the word I want to use fresh um, mm. but they also they're, they're fully recyclable so and then our and then the plastic that we do use in in our bags are, is recyclable pre- plastic, which a lot of plastic today is not actually recyclable, and most people don't know that. So we're going to continue to find ways to do that, you know? And, and that may mean iterations of our packaging, um, which is great. It's also a challenge. It's a huge challenge for us. It's very hard. Yeah. You wouldn't believe how hard, like, responsible, sustainable <laughs> packaging is. Um, and there's a lot of bullshit out there. Um, yeah really have responsible packaging is ch- a challenge. Um, so we're going to continue to do that. The other thing that I would paint that is a vision that, that I think continues to push us forward, and that is like, <clears throat> you know, most people find uh, a, a suite of nutrition products like ours, sports nutrition products. Uh, you know, Don, Don mentioned like some of the, the typical uh, brick and mortar stores that you, you might find um, products like ours. And when you go into, to every day or, or sorry, more, more like, um, of the specialty shops in the outdoors, you generally just find like fuel-based products, maybe bars and maybe, you know, carb-based products. And we, we've tried to envision a future of, of products like ours that support the athlete's nutrition from beginning to finish, Shen just mentioned, you know, the different categories that we're focused on. And we, we envision, you know, a day when you can find products like that to support the athlete from, from start to finish at your mm-hmm. independent retailer like that. Nice. That's, yeah. The the reason why that's cool is because it means that nutrition has become a greater focus. Nutrition as a whole, not just fueling, yep. but nutrition. Mm-hmm has become a greater focus for for the athlete and that's why that's yeah your cool vision
0: you're you're absolutely making gandhi proud by being the change that i know you guys want to see in this world and um i'm i'm proud to to run with gnarly in my bottles and just cannot thank you shannon eli enough for taking the time to sit down with joe and myself to talk a little bit about the brand so um Thank you so very much. Keep chasing tomorrow and uh, we'll all see you at GoGnarly.com. You. All right.
2: Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, John. Thanks, Jeff.